listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. As we continue, as Rob said, in our mini-series here about the uh, anxiety and Jesus' teachings, I invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Pastor Rob preached on uh, do not worry about what we will eat or what we will drink. And then he preached uh, last week on do not worry about what we will wear. And then we will see uh, Jesus take a turn in the passage today. I invite you to stand with us as we read God's word. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, Jesus says these words, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. You may be seated. In the book of Luke, uh, we see this story about how Jesus is traveling, likely with his entourage, to Jerusalem. And as they do so, they stop at this little town and decide to visit with some friends, Martha and Mary. Maybe it was a surprise visit. We don't get a whole lot of details about things. And um, these aren't in the story, but uh, Martha's very anxious in the moment. She's driven by hospitality and Maybe she sees this pile of clothes in the corner that's been sitting there for a couple weeks and she's rushing to throw them into a closet so the guests don't see. She's running around setting the different places for the people for the meal that's going to happen. And Oh, shoot, I remember there's a loaf of bread that's in the oven that's probably burning by now and she's running to the kitchen. She's very anxious and, and frantic. Meanwhile, her sister is just sitting around at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus teach. Mary and Martha had enough. This was driving her crazy. And so she runs to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you please tell my sister Mary to get up off her butt and help me do some work? And then Jesus responds to Martha with these words. Luke chapter 10, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen what is best. We've been going through this series. We see that Jesus is teaching about worry and anxiety. He's talking about what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. He gives these commands like, do not worry. 
See him ask these questions like, why are you so worried? It's not just good enough for us to eliminate worry from our lives. We must replace it with something else. Reflecting on the story of Martha and Mary, it's not that the house doesn't need to be cleaned for the guest. It's not that the guests don't need to be fed. For that someone has to serve them. It's that there's something more important in the moment that Martha is missing out on. It is my goal as I teach today to help you to overcome your worries by changing your perspective. To give you a big picture of God. A big picture of his kingdom and his plan for joining his kingdom. And in doing so today, invite you to lay down your worries and spend some time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let's dive into this text today in uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 31. Jesus says these words. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the pagans... Seek after all these things. The Jews, during the time that Jesus is telling this story, are occupied by the Romans. The Romans have many different pagan gods. They worship these gods in the form of different idols. There's different gods for everything that they would need for their daily lives. It's the god of healing and the goddess of fertility the god of the seas and the goddess of agriculture. These are god and goddesses to be feared. They had to be appeased by the people. If they don't sacrifice enough food to their god, then they would experience a famine. If someone is sick or poor, it's because they've angered the gods. These gods demanded much, but provided nothing. And Jesus tells those who are hearing, he says, you don't have to worry like the pagans. And he tells us this thing in the end of verse 32. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. Then he tells us, he says, instead of seeking after these worldly things, he says, there's something else that I want you to seek after, something greater. And this is where we will continue our studies. The first point is to seek God's kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. We see before in the book of Matthew, Jesus is often using this phrase kingdom. He talks about how the kingdom of heaven is near. We studied in the Lord's prayer. He prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout the entire scriptures, we get pictures of this kingdom. The prophets do this often in the Old Testament. One of the clearest pictures of this kingdom is in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. John sees this vision. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, this new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We see this picture of this coming kingdom. We see here that God is living among humans, that there is an end to death and suffering. There's the restoration of all things, of all creation. And yes, that passage ends with a pretty grim way. But that too is good news because it tells us that justice will be delivered to those who do evil. For those who follow Jesus, this kingdom is what we have to look forward to. And Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 6 to look forward to this, to seek after this. In Luke's version of Matthew chapter 6, he says these words. He says, do not worry because your father delights to give you this kingdom. This picture puts earthly worries into perspective. Just think about this. After being in this kingdom that I just described for 15,000 years, after living there for that amount of time in this perfect kingdom, will we certainly not look back and laugh with embarrassment about all the things that we spend our days now worrying about? As we wait for this kingdom, we get glimpses of this kingdom now. Like, like the future is peeking into the present. We get glimpses in the Bible certainly of Jesus, when he came to the earth, he healed the hurting, he fed the hungry, he gave life to the dead. But we also get glimpses of this coming kingdom in the church of God. These local embassies of this distant kingdom. These gatherings of those who submit to the king. Oh, and it is my hope that if you come here or... You come to the church at Mon River, if you're hurting, that you find a place where you are loved. You find a place where you are cared for. 
you find a place where the king is worshipped. And then we go out from these gatherings and we invite others to come and to also submit to the king. To join in this coming kingdom. This is the good news that we go from this place and share. Many of our anxieties are a result of us storing up treasures here on this earth. Here with our temporary bodies and our temporary homes. But when we focus on this eternal kingdom, we get a much bigger perspective. That even in the face of death, what is the worst thing that could happen to me? Paul says these words that to live for Christ, to die is our gain. Jesus calls us to store up treasures in this kingdom of heaven. Doing so, we will be storing up treasures that last. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says to seek God's righteousness. To seek God's righteousness. This word righteousness, he's telling us to focus on being acceptable to God. This is how one joins this kingdom of God. Bible tells us that we have offended a holy God through our actions. This is often a result of us focusing on the moment, our feelings, our pleasures, or our seeking our own gain. In the last verse that we read there in Revelation 21 of this kingdom, we see that in God's kingdom, it is only for those who are also holy like God. There in that place, God lives among mankind, and God cannot dwell in the presence of wickedness. This presents a problem for us. Here, Jesus tells us to seek his righteousness. What does he mean by this term? Does it mean to do good and follow the rules of the Bible? Philippians chapter 3, Paul is recounting his own accomplishments. He's recounting his own means of righteousness. He says these things in this list. He says that he is ethnically superior. That he's kept the rules of his religion. He says that he is among the religious elite. Then he concludes this long list of his own accomplishments by saying these words. He says, I consider all these things to be worthless, to be dung, compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. Not coming into a righteousness of his own, but one that comes through faith in Jesus. He concludes his argument by saying this, he becomes like Jesus and dying to himself so that he can become like Jesus in his resurrection. Elsewhere, Paul says these things. He says, Jesus, who knew no sin, Jesus, who never offended God, became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
praise God that we do not have to depend on our own righteousness, that our salvation comes through his righteousness. And here Jesus is telling us to seek his righteousness. We are worried about food and drink and clothing. Jesus tells us, he says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Can all the food and all the drink and all the clothing in the world be given in exchange for your soul? Um, listen, when we seek God's kingdom and we seek God's righteousness, you can be the poorest and sickest person on planet earth. And you will still be richer than kings. And this righteous living flows out of seeking his righteousness. When we put our minds on things that are above, things that are eternal, we delay gratification. We suffer momentary afflictions for the sake of an eternal glory. And so we seek God's kingdom. We seek God's righteousness. And third, we trust God's provision. Trust God's provision. Jesus tells us when we seek God's kingdom and we seek God's righteousness, that all these things will be provided to you. Christianity is not this quid pro quo. If I look for a spouse at church, then God will give you a really hot Christian spouse. If I put some money in the offering plate at Pastor Rob's prompting, then God might just give me a new car. If I serve in the nursery at church, then maybe God will give us a baby. But if it's not that, and how does God provide for us everything when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Let me just give you a, a few examples of some things that I've seen recently and some people that I've been interacting with. One example is sometimes when we focus on God's kingdom first, those actions will bring our desires. There's a friend of mine who very much desires marriage and been looking on many dating apps and going out on many dates. They confess to me that they've been really struggling in their faith. It's my challenge to this friend to seek God first, to seek God's ways. And I can guarantee that if they do so, they will be more attractive to godly women. Sometimes when we seek God's kingdom first, those actions may bring our desires. Another example is sometimes when we seek God's kingdom first, he doesn't provide for those desires, but he changes our desires. I have another friend who was working a lot of extra shifts to save up for this very special European vacation. Then they came to follow Jesus, and they began to reprioritize their life. This vacation was 
no longer a top desire of theirs. So they decided to donate all of the money that they had been saving for this vacation to our church at Mon River. As they began seeking God first, God changed their desires. But a third example that I think about is sometimes when we focus on God's kingdom first, he may not provide our desires. He may not remove from us those desires. But he will give us a peace that surpasses our understanding of why he doesn't provide. I have some other friends of mine who are in their 50s and they've never been able to have children. And our family has recently gone through some struggles and a couple weekends ago they called us up and said, hey, how can we bless your family? And they came over on a Saturday and they took our rowdy crazy boys to the local park and they played with them for a couple hours. And then when they returned, our friends, their faces were filled with joy. They told us how blessed they were by serving us with our kids and how much fun they had playing with them. They have been seeking God first, and he has given them a peace beyond understanding. And they have blessings upon blessings as they serve others' children. Listen, if we trust that God is a good father and that he wants to give his children good gifts, then even if he doesn't provide, we can still trust that his plan is best. And we can continue to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. But when we're overcome with worry, we need to change our perspectives. When we feel that anxiety coming on, we need to set our minds on things that are outside of this world. To trust God's provision. Trust his peace. Trust that he's got this. The Bible tells us that he's numbered even the hairs on our heads. He's done that. Don't you think he's at least considered the many important things in our lives? Um, even if we don't get our desires here on earth, we are part of a future kingdom where all things will be added to us. Where there will be no more tears and no more death and no more injustice and all things will be made new forever. So what's the application of these things? Well, hopefully as I'm sharing this, that your mind has been thinking about different things in your lives. But here's just a couple of examples that come to my mind. Some of you are feeling a lot of anxiety because you're focused on everything but God. Your mind is regularly telling you, hey, I, I don't have time for church gatherings because I have to work these extra shifts on Sunday to make some extra money. Or, I don't have time to gather with other Christians because I need that time for my homework or for housework. I want to invite you today to trust God. 
to trust his ways, to set aside time to be with the people of God, trusting that he will provide for you in those other areas. Or here's another one. This is for me. And I, I feel anxiety every month when I sit down and write a check to the ministry and, and give. It's hard for me. My mind is telling me all the different ways that I could use that money. It's an act of trust to sacrifice and to give. But I want to invite you today to invest in God's kingdom. Trusting that God will provide for you your daily bread. Maybe some of you here, maybe some watching at home right now for this very reason. Feel anxiety come upon you that causes you to want to withdraw from the people of God. Because you're feeling shame or guilt, fear. Your mind tells you, hey, you know, it's probably just best for me to be alone. It takes trust to open up your lives to others. Today, I want to invite you to lay down your fears, to lay down your guilt and your shame at the feet of Jesus and exchange them for his righteousness to come be a part of the representation of his kingdom here at Renaissance or the church at Mon River. Here's a big one for me. Maybe some of you are like Martha. You feel a lot of anxiety running around frantic working for Jesus. For us, we're trying to start a church, and this is hard work. Having these monthly worship gatherings, one coming up soon, and, and the day before, there's a lot of last-minute things to get ready, and I feel a lot of worry in those moments about coffee and the slides that are going to be on the screen, or, or those crumbs that are all over the lobby, or the signs that have to be put out the next day. My mind is telling me in those moments, hey, if the guests who come just have a really good experience, then maybe they'll return. And Jesus says that Mary has made the right choice by sitting at his feet. And I have to remind myself that perfect coffee or an immaculate lobby isn't going to change people's lives. It's only Jesus. And I want to invite those of you who serve faithfully in gatherings here in Mount Washington or in Greenfield or in other missions throughout the week. Yes, serve well. But listen, don't miss Jesus in serving Jesus. And then Jesus ends this passage with these phrases as we conclude here in verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Listen, because we focus on an eternal future, it frees us from worry about our near futures today. Because we focus on his kingdom that cannot be stopped frees us from worry about our fragile kingdoms today. 
because we focus on Jesus' righteousness, it frees us from worrying about our own lack.